0: Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Lake Podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Lake Podcast. I'm your host, Cheyenne Berson, and today we have Michelle Dalton on with us. Today, we're going to be discussing kite fishing. Michelle, how's it going? It's
1: going great. How are you, Cheyenne? Good, so happy to have you on the show. Yeah, me too. It's so excited to be here. I it's been a while since I've seen you. We've kind of crossed paths through the industry over the last 8 years and it's been a while, so happy to be here. I know. It's good to get finally get to catch up with you. So, what have you been up to? Um, so the latest thing has been um Salt Life's partners uh partnered with Salt um with Sport Fishing Championship, uh SFC. So, I've been a on-site Um, correspondent for them, a broadcaster, getting to kind of, we call it a tour, um, kind of touring around different tournaments um, up the Atlantic coast and throughout the Gulf. And I get to talk about it. So if I'm not out there fishing, I'm sure as heck talking about it. (laughs) That's so awesome. That's such a neat experience. So
0: in lieu of that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How did you get into the industry of fishing and what, what do you really do as far as like what what are your, you know, your favorite things to do out in the fishing world?
1: Sure. Yeah, I um, I wear many hats in the fishing industry. Um, I grew up freshwater fishing since the age of five with my dad um, around the nearby canals and lakes in our residential neighborhoods. And then I got into saltwater fishing in high school and began fishing tournaments and whatnot. And as of 2014, when I started my Instagram, I started getting sponsorships and kind of um, you know, promoting companies through social media in one way, and then chartering fishing trips on my boat here in South Florida. So it's been kind of a whirlwind of uh, different, you know, mixed parts of the industry that I get to be a part of.
0: That's so awesome. I know pretty much everybody knows your name, Bombshell. Um, Everybody loves to stay tuned with you and see what you're up to. As far as your fishing chartering, what's that like?
1: So the fishing charter business here um, kind of fluctuates. It's been a little bit rough this year, and it's obviously due to COVID, it's kind of made it you know change um, a lot of charter boats down here. You see them at the dock, uh, especially this type of year, just this time of year. Um, you know, the, with the conditions and the weather the way it is, and there's just you know. Not a really good solid week this time of year that you can actually depend on the conditions to be able to take your clients out, not only catch fish, but also to have a beautiful day on the water because everyone knows that Florida is a little bit hectic as far as the winds picking up in the afternoon or rainstorms. that's always a challenge and then of course you have to disappoint your charter clients with canceling so I've decided to kind of take a break from that um, and then just to be able to fish for fun when I want to and I know the conditions are good and you know get out there create some content and then also have my tournament uh, team and tournament fishing side as well.
0: I love that. It is so tough in Florida. I mean, it's like a race for good weather. And today, I know at least where I am, it's blowing so hard. It's raining off and on. And it's just so inconsistent and unexpected of what it's going to do next.
1: Yeah, it's so true. We have, Um, I don't think Mother Nature quite makes up her mind here. We definitely have a big storm, rainstorm coming in here in Southeast Florida this week. So We just don't know what day we'll be able to get back out there, but hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: (laughs) Yes, hopefully. So as far as kite fishing goes, can you give us an introduction to that for our listeners who might know a little bit, but don't know
1: everything? Yeah, absolutely. So kite fishing is a technique that we use. It's super popular over here on the southeast coast of Florida, Um, and it's all about natural bait presentation. So we like to use live bait. Typically, it's a goggle eye, could be a thread fin herring uh could be mullet, but we use basically an electric reel to deploy a kite in the air. And then with that kite line is, a, is um our three release clips that we attach to individual um, rods. So we use um, we like to use our avid lx g twos. Um, And from there we have them rigged with mono line and they attach to the release clips and with all the terminal tackle are sent straight down. So it keeps our live bait basically on the surface of the water and that's where all the action happens. So kite fishing is really cool. There's nothing else like it based on the fact that you could typically see the strike when it happens especially when it comes to sailfish because they just like to put on a show. (laughs) It's all about the presentation. I don't get to do it
0: very often. But whenever I do, it's so much intense focus and fun. And it's kind of a craft of keeping an eye on everything and making sure all of your baits are in the right position at the right times. You know, you don't want to bait flying out
1: of the water or something crazy. Yeah, you have to kind of keep focus, keep an eye on it. But you you like to use, you know, your your real drags to kind of do that work for you. And of course you're drifting. So any kind of rough conditions can kind of mess things up for you a little bit. Maybe your view is not so clear by keeping an eye on the horizon uh, with those baits in the water, and then you've got, you know, rough seas. So there's a lot of factors that can kind of make kite fishing difficult for you, but it's a lot of fun. It's it's, um, just totally different from any other type of fishing.
0: What makes you decide if it's a good day or not to go kite fishing? Is there certain weather or conditions that you're looking for?
1: Well, tis the season, right? This is kite fish season. So most likely the boats that are out there are going to be kite fishing. That's just the thing here. Um, But what we look for is kind of not too light of wind, but not too heavy. Maybe something around 13 to 18 knot winds. Um, Of course, every beautiful day does not mean that it's a fishy day. So we like to, you know, go out there when there's a little bit of wind, a little bit of um, some action in the, the surface of the water. Um, we definitely want some clear water. Uh, we don't like that dirty water and we are kind of getting that right now, which is unfortunate. But we look for that dark to clear water color change, which is about 300 feet of water for us here. We have a, a big drop off a ledge. So we like to fish that ledge. So realistically, we would like to have some really pretty clean water, but a little bit of wind to get that kite up. And uh, that's pretty much it. This time of year, a lot of the fish are actually kind of closer to shore in the shallow, shallow waters. Um, and they migrate. These are pelagic fish. So they like to kind of hang around the shore. And for us, we don't have to go very far out of the inlet. We're about Maybe two, three miles, we're already in a hundred or 300 feet of water. So we get out there and we're able to catch kingfish, wahoo, tuna, mahi, uh, sailfish, all of the fun fish out there. So
0: That's so nice to be able to get out to 300 foot with just a few miles off the beach, stay nice and close and um, be able to judge the fish like you're saying, if they're more inshore that day or a little bit further offshore. When was the last time you were able to go out kite fishing?
1: Huh. Well, last week I was out. Um, the conditions weren't really favorable for kite fishing. Uh, the wind was pretty dead. And in those times, you can actually use helium. We we fill up these big kite fishing balloons with helium and attach it to the kite and send the kite up. Uh, that way we ensure that, you know, we're not going to have any problems. Um, but helium's also expensive. So not <laughs> necessarily our, our uh, first priority to use it, but... Um last time we went out, kite fishing was about two weeks ago, and it was its hit or miss. Uh, we caught a couple sailfish, a couple small kingfish, kind of a mixed bag, like I said. But that's what makes it cool, because as you're drifting along, you get all these different pelagic fish that are migrating in those same areas of water, which is, it's awesome.
0: What are you, usually your target species?
1: I would say, well, my favorite fish to catch is a sailfish, an Atlantic sail, but I like to target fish that I could put on my table. I love to cook. So um, I love anything from snapper to mahi um, to wahoo, of course. Wahoo is always the elusive wahoo, the fish that everybody wants to catch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've seen a lot of your recipes. They look awesome. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So what would you say your craziest kite fishing catch was? Most unexpected, I should say.
1: Okay, Um, I would have to say the Wahoo, we caught a Wahoo on a fishing charter uh, New Year's Day two years ago, and we thought it was a sailfish by the way that it hit, um, but we couldn't quite see it on the surface. It was on one of our long lines because the way that we stagger our lines, we have a short, a mid, and a long, and this one was on our long line. So until you see that fish get a little bit closer to the boat, you really can't gauge exactly what species you're targeting or what, what you have. Um, and we were targeting sailfish um, and we did not have wire line. So the Wahoo, as people know, are toothy critters and we had 30 pound mono. So we were a little worried once we realized it was a Wahoo but it was actually a 70 pound Wahoo which was the biggest one that we've landed on our boat. So we were really excited about it and totally unexpected. <laughs> That's
0: incredible. Oh my goodness. I bet that was so stressful getting it up to the boat.
1: Yeah. You don't want to lose those fish. You want, you know, everything to go right. As soon as you see that boat or that fish come to the boat, you know, you have the gas ready. You've got, you know, the angler knows what to do. You kind of take a few steps back, let the mates do the work and get that fish in the boat. Most importantly.
0: Oh, totally. How long was your fight for that one?
1: I believe that one was about a 20 to 30 minute fight. It wasn't too long, but I do remember walking around the boat quite a bit.
0: <laughs> you touched a little bit on your setup, but you just mentioned gaff. Can you give us a breakdown of what some of the most important gear to have on the boat or to be using when you're kite fishing to be most prepared?
1: Yeah, of course. But when it comes to kite fishing, we always need to have our gloves. Gloves are super important, especially when you're handling billfish and you go to grab the bill if you want to safely release that sailfish uh, without it actually breaking off and letting it release that way. Um, so a gaff, of course, a gaff super important. Uh, a bait net, sometimes we leave our, our live bait net at home and we have to make do with trying to grab it, you know, out of the, the live well, which is always amusing. Um, and just a really good rod and reel setup, most importantly. And fuel, fuel in the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always need the most fuel.
0: <laughs> Don't
1: leave the fuel at home.
0: <laughs> what are some of the biggest challenges you've run into during your kite fishing adventures?
1: Biggest challenges. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything specific, but it's there's always some sort of challenge that kind of comes up, whether it's boat problems or... Um, you know, your lines, your kite is, you know, not working with you quite right. Maybe the wind and the current are kind of moving in opposite directions. Um, There's always kind of little things that you have to try to make do with, um, especially when it comes to the conditions, I think would be probably the main factor.
0: Bringing it back to the balloons. Now I've seen them used before and in I'm sure a lot of people's minds, you know, they're picturing just a standard size balloon these balloons are pretty massive. As far as using them, can you tell us about what it's like on a day where you get out there, you know, maybe weatherman said you're going to have some better wind that you do. And now you've got to use a balloon. What's that like?
1: So yeah, they they definitely don't look like your average party city balloon. Um, they kind of come out maybe a little bit mm- about the size of your hand i'd say but when you go to blow them up of course when you take the air out they're all stretched out it's actually kind of funny uh small side story my uh, buddy mark who's a captain on our boat and runs our cap our charter um trips and our tournament trips and i one day it was raining and i i released all the, the air out of the balloon and it looked like a swim cap so we put it on his head i mean that's how big they stretch out they get pretty big but um, yeah, when we're, tra- we're uh, tournament fishing and we have to use the balloons, but you're maybe switching from one spot to another for your next drift, you don't want to stay maybe in that same area. It's overfished or you drifted a couple times and you're really not getting the action that you want to see. So we'll go to move. And there's always one person who's designated to hold this balloon. I mean, and you're, you can't see anything as you're running to another spot. So you're just, you know, head down, hugging this big thing making sure it doesn't fly out of your hands, you know, um, and it's, it's just always really a a bulky thing to kind of have to, you know, get used to using, uh, when you do have them and, and when it's important during tournaments, but the, um, yeah, the helium, the helium tanks, you can get the small ones from the party store and they supply usually two, maybe three balloons, or you have these real deal, heavy duty, um, uh, helium tanks that you have to go get filled up, which I don't like to deal with. So i find a little one.
0: <laughs> yeah. The big ones sound like a bit of a headache.
1: Yeah. And they're heavy. It's just, you know, it takes up a little bit of room.
0: Have you ever been kite fishing at night?
1: I haven't. And I was, you know, I was thinking about this because, you know, we, we swordfish at night, of course, but that's due to the fact that the swordfish are so down deep in the water column. And then at night they kind of come to the surface. Whereas sailfish, they're always really swimming around the surface. Um, So kite fishing at night would probably make it a little bit difficult because you can't see and you want to keep your baits in the water. So I would find that a challenge. I mean, maybe I should do this and and try it out.
0: (laughs) I kind of thought the same thing. Like, how would you be able to keep an eye on the bait? Um, I'm sure that it would be really chaotic (laughs) trying to keep everything under wraps in the dark.
1: Yeah, especially with sailfish. I mean, they're typically dark in color unless they're, you know, they're growing, glowing green and vibrant. But to be able to, you know, see them in the fun of catching the sailfish, I think you kind of cut out some of those cool factors about what kite fishing is all about. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have to try it. Sounds Very like a true. Challenge. For
0: now, I think it's safe to say daytime's better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Much Come more on, feasible. Diane.
0: <laughs> so any tips for our listeners who want to go out, give this a try. You mentioned there's a better season, and it's right now winter time. Um, is that because the weather's a little bit windier,
1: or because the sailfish are a little bit more frequent? I think it's mainly because we just have such a variety of species here, and this time of year is kind of like I said, it, they're not they're not as far. You don't have to go out as far, like in. Say the summertime with Mahi, we, we run out about 20 miles to find like those big weed patches offshore. So, this time of year, not only are all the species in a little bit more shallow, but we have all of them migrating this time of year. So, we have such a variety. It makes it interesting, you know, to be able to take home table fare at the same time, release a couple of billfish, and just kind of have a little bit of everything. That's good. So, tips for them.
0: Time of day to go, early morning, late afternoon. What's your preferred time?
1: I'm all about early bird gets the worm, right? So, um, and typically the the wind starts to pick up a little bit more in the afternoon. So you can kind of gauge your morning as how the the rest of the day is pretty pretty much going to be like. Um, It's very rare that we have a very windy morning and then it kind of dies down. It does happen, but I like to go out there first thing in the morning be the one to tell all my friends how the bite was when I get back in, and they're heading out for an afternoon trip. So I'd say a tip is to kind of check your conditions, um, keep an eye on the moon cycle, keep an eye on you know your wind and your current. Uh, you want a little bit of current, a little bit of wind, and um, I don't know, cross your fingers, <laughs> send some prayers to the fish gods.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite?
1: kite fishing memory or
0: interesting story doesn't necessarily even have to be kite fishing but if you have one that comes to mind what's your favorite fishing trip memory
1: i have so many it's hard to pick just one um (laughs) i have a lot of good i'd say i have a lot of good memories with my buddy captain kurt um i would run charters with him as his deckhand uh for about five years in a row for red snapper season so all my favorite memories when it comes, you know, it comes to like the best times that I've had on the boat uh, would have to be with him and running those charters three, two, three charters a day we were running um, for, you know, a couple weeks in a row. And it's just one big, long excursion, one adventure. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really have like a particular memory of mine that just stands out, but there's just so many of them. And that's what fishing's all about. You just never know what you're going to get
0: every experience, every fishing trip is a new memory, a new experience to, to make something new and learn something. Right. So all those charters, that's a lot of work, girl. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of work. Um, so this, this year is actually the first year that I didn't do it with him due to going on the road with sport fishing championship. Um, so I kind of missed out my time with captain Kurt, but yeah, it's, we don't even know what day it is by day three, we're like, how many charters have we done? And you know, you're running out 40 miles and then coming back in, picking up the next group, you know, washing the boat down, going out again, getting the limit coming back. So just to fit that all in one day is just insane. And then to get enough sleep to do it all over again. And again, is I can't even wrap my head around it. I'm just a robot. Like when I, when I get on the boat with him and, but we have so much fun.
0: I bet it's a blast. It sounds like it. The work is worth it.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Do
0: you have any upcoming fishing trips?
1: So my husband and I are very spontaneous when it comes to trips. So usually they're not planned out. It's kind of like a last minute thing. Um, Every year we do Costa Rica in January. High season. It's our anniversary. So we'll probably be going down there in Costa Rica um, end of January. And yeah, aside from maybe small little trips to the Keys or, you know, around the state of Florida to fish. Um, I don't really have anything big planned because with Sport Fishing Championship, it's back to back nonstop from like April to August. So we'll be traveling, you know, up the North Atlantic in the Gulf those months. So I kind of need like maybe my January through March downtime, if you will. <laughs> Stay home while I can. <laughs> what are you targeting when you go to Costa Rica? Oh, balefish. Balefish, balefish. Um, it's funny though, because I love catching mahi and they don't have schooly mahi there. It's they're just I mean, the smallest ones are still in the twenty pound range. It's just like Jurassic Park over there. So we love being able to, you know, catch marlin and sailfish and at the same time, you know, reeling in a mahi on the other side of the boat. If you get a double header, they're usually two different species, which is incredible. It's insane. And yeah, we just always have a great time. We just know that we're going to be turning handles and catching big fish. It's almost promised when you go there because their fishery is just so alive. It's awesome.
0: It sounds like an awesome experience. Talking about mahi, and since you're like a pro chef pretty much in the fishing industry, can you give us your favorite mahi recipe that we can take home?
1: Okay. I like a good, maybe a pan fried mahi with like some beurre blanc over it. So what I'll do is kind of Take the mahi filets, season them, dip them into some flour and then into some egg and then dip it into some panko and then kind of pan fry it on the pan with a little vegetable oil or olive oil. And then I like to make a beurre blanc, which is based on um, using white wine, butter, lemon, either throw some capers in there or maybe green onions and tomatoes. So you top that off and you could serve that over rice or pasta or whatever kind of carb you like. Soak up all the the good juice.
0: (laughs) Ooh, that's making me hungry. That sounds so good. Yeah, now I'm hungry. (laughs) I know what I'm trying next time I catch a mahi. I'm saving that one in my mind. Well, can you shout out your social media source? Because I'm sure a lot of people already follow you, but in case they don't on all your platforms, we'd like to hear them.
1: Okay, my social media pretty much for all of them is bombshell underscore fishing. And that's spelled B-O-M-B-C-H-E-L-E underscore F-I-S-H-I-N-G.
0: Awesome. Well, you did such a great job on the Above and Below podcast. We're so happy that you got to share your wealth of information with us on kite fishing and some of your really fun experiences and that special recipe.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Cheyenne. It's been a pleasure to be here with you guys.
0: Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at realsaltlife. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And
1: remember, stay salty.